Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones, and this is episode 90 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. This week, I've been working on some of the courses that I said I was going to be doing. Well, what I said I was going to be doing about two years ago. The first one's going to be Photoshop, and the second one will be all about Lightroom. I was going to start with how to shoot in manual mode, but I'm going to leave that until spring when there's a little bit more colour. At the moment, everything's just covered in snow and it's really not ideal. Anyway, this week's episode follows on from Common Mistakes, Common Mistakes 2 and Common Mistakes 3. Now, I spent about four seconds coming up with this title, which is Common Mistakes 4. Yeah, I know, pretty good. Now, these are the things that I come across that make me think, "Mm, yeah, that was a bit of a mistake. So let's get started with composition. There's nothing wrong with placing your subject in the middle of the frame, especially if it's taken in portrait vertically. But taking a photo of your child standing in front of a hedge about 20 feet away isn't good. Try filling the frame with your child. Either zoom in or take a few steps forward. You could even ask them to take a few steps towards you. That's if they'll listen to you. Or maybe you could turn your camera from landscape to portrait, which is turning it from horizontal to vertical. Separating your subject from the background will make your composition way better, especially for portraits. Filling the frame with your subject is also going to improve the results. Too much wasteland around the subjects is not a good way to go. Now, there's a thing called rule of thirds. It's a rule called the rule of thirds. When you're composing your shot, think about this this rule of thirds. If you don't know what it is, it's two horizontal lines and two vertical lines that divide your image into nine equal pieces. The idea is that if you place points of interest on these lines or at the junction of the lines, it will draw the viewer's eye to those spots. That is where we naturally look. When I say points of interest, I mean if it's a portrait, the viewer will look at the subject's eyes. If the eyes are in the middle of the frame, it can cause the image to be slightly unbalanced. It just doesn't feel right when you look at it. Check out some portraits of uh, top photographers and even look at some old master paintings because that is where it came from. They They worked on the rule of thirds. If your subject is, say, an old tool chest, place it on the lower horizontal line or one of the two lower junction points. The viewer's eyes will focus on the subject easily because it's positioned there. So if you're taking a portrait, you would want the eyes to be on the top horizontal line. I see a lot of different photos where the point of interest is stuck in the bottom corner or close to the edge of the frame. This draws the viewer's attention to the wrong part of the photograph. So you need to place it properly. Now, this doesn't work for every photo, but it will for probably 95% of them. So always go for the rule of thirds. And if it doesn't work when you're editing, you can always change it a little bit. It's not a big deal. The next one is subject eye direction. If you've ever shot weddings or family portraits, I can safely say this has happened to you. You have a large group of people and one or two of the group have their eyes closed or they're looking at someone way off to the side of you. This bugs the heck out of me. You really shouldn't use images that look like that, but sometimes you just have to because it's the only one available and they wanted a group shot. My cure for this was to take three or four shots of the same group. I constantly ask for their attention and take another shot. Hopefully, there is always one good shot 
of everyone in the group. They might not all be looking at the camera in the same photo. Then I choose the one with the least amount of people that are distracted. And in Photoshop, I copy the faces of the offending people from other images and paste them into the main photo. It takes only five minutes to do and it will really please your customers. I did have another idea for wedding group shots that involved an assistant using an electronic prod on the distracted people, but it really didn't go over very well, so that never really caught on. The next one, trying to save really badly exposed images to present to paying customers. Or any customer, it doesn't matter whether they're paying or not. I just saw this the other day on Facebook. A photographer posted five or six photos that were so underexposed, they were totally black. You couldn't even make anyone out of it. It was ridiculous. And he was asking for help to correct them so that he could give them to the customer. Apparently, he forgot to change the settings after he was shooting outside. So he came back inside and he totally wrong settings. Now, this is absolute lunacy. If you could save the image, it would be... It'd just be so grainy, the colours would be... what It'd just be rubbish. Even with a raw file, you, to pull it back that far, you're going to lose so much in the image. Your customer is spending money and they deserve the best quality images you can get. If your photo shoot depends on five or six images, you really are in trouble. So be honest with your customer, or if that doesn't work, you can't do that, maybe just forget about photography because... Trying to save stuff like that is just a waste of time. Next one, not comparing apples to apples. Now, when you're online and you're looking at other photographers' work and you're comparing it to yours, don't put yourself down. I have a lot of people contacting me saying, oh, my work's not good enough. And they're comparing their work to, you know, I don't know the names of these guys on YouTube or Instagram, but they are excellent photographers. They are incredible photographers, so don't compare yourself to these guys. You know, get ideas from them, but don't place yourself in photography by looking at these kind of images. One of my earliest weddings was shot at a local community hall. The walls were grey concrete blocks. They had bare fluorescent lighting that was about 12 feet above your head. The couple was great fun and we had a great time shooting it. But when I'd finished editing the images, I was comparing them to a photographer that had shot a wedding at a beautiful resort with a couple that looked like supermodels. You couldn't get further apart for two weddings. Now, I was a little down. I was looking at it thinking, oh, they're not so, you know, they're not really that good an image, but they were, they were good images. I looked at them after I wrote this and they were okay. They were decent images. It's just the setting. Now, a couple of weeks later, I did an outdoor wedding in a beautiful backyard that was out on a lake at this cottage. It was stunning. The images were striking, and I realized it's the weather and the location that controls the overall look of a photo shoot. So if you're in the snowy north in the middle of winter and you're doing a photo session, only compare yourself to photographers in your area. Now, Instagram is full of images that look great, but they're in a really small size. And an awful lot of those, if you pump them up to 4,000 pixels wide, would look absolutely terrible. So don't feel that just because it's on Instagram, it's an amazing image either. So only compare apples to apples. Keep in your area and stick with that. Don't get yourself down. Next, we've got not culling enough. When you're starting out, the hardest thing to do is delete an image because it's not good enough. And I went through this, I would spend hours trying to save images that were just, nah, you know, weren't even worth it. But I, anyway, 
One of the first things you need to do after downloading your images to your computer is start a cull. C-U-L-L, cull. You need to go through all the images and delete all the out of focus, badly timed and anything that just looks not good enough. You're just going to delete them. Don't even edit them. You just get them out of the way straight away. You need to cull. Sometimes it feels like you won't have any photos left to edit, but you really need to do it. The longer you're working in photography, the easier it gets. Like I said, when I started out, I would spend hours trying to save images in Photoshop. What a waste of time. So be ruthless. Only the best images should be seen by your customer. And last but not least is waiting too long to charge customers. Now I hear lots of very good photographers say they're not good enough to charge for their work. If you feel this way, ask yourself why people are asking you to take pics of their family. They're asking you because they like what you do. Start charging $25 a shoot. It's not much, but it's better than zero. Now, there's a very good chance that you're listening to me drone on because you want to start a photography side hustle. You want to get your little part-time business started. If you're living paycheck to paycheck and a couple of hundred dollars a month can really make a change in your life, then offer photo shoots for 50 bucks. One $50 shoot a week is going to give you the $200 you need a month. Just keep it simple. At some point, you need to draw a line and start charging for your time and talent. And what's the worst that's going to happen? If nobody books you, you make exactly the same amount as you did before, a big fat zero. So don't worry about it. You've got nothing to lose. And if you're doing free shoots every week for your friends, you need to make a change. So come up with a name for your business and make it official. When you've got a business name, people will expect to pay. This is your business. You can make it as big as you like, or you can just keep it as simple and just make a little bit of extra cash a month. It's up to you. Just make sure you charge something. Nothing should be for free. Now, if you still don't think you're good enough, you can contact me through the Facebook group and I'll give you an honest appraisal. If you want to keep it private, use Facebook Messenger. I can generally get back to you within 24 hours. So go for it. If you need help and you're not sure, ask me and I'll help you. Okay, that's it for this episode. I'll be back next week with more waffle and stuff. So I'll talk to you soon. Bye.